are listening to the Strong Towers Podcast, a podcast where all topics are on the table, from brotherhood and faith, culture and wisdom. So pull up a chair and join us as we talk about the things that build us up and make us strong. Welcome back to another Strong Towers Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike Lara, and I'm joined, as always, with John Ackerman and Tom Edwards. If you guys have had a chance to listen to the last couple episodes, we had the opportunity to talk about listening, right? And I think that is a, I don't know if it's a virtue or a trait, but something that I think we all need to get better at. And after listening to both episodes and being called out on on looking for better opportunities to, to listen to in other conversations, I realized that I need to become a better listener. I like the opportunity to have the women on the show. I don't know if you guys – I saw John's post on, on Facebook the other day, but it was a great opportunity to have our wives in there and also tell us that we're not good listeners so that we can continue to get better. But I thought tonight in order to have um, – take things a little different, uh, unlike some of our other episodes, be a little unique, but also kind of in the, uh, in the same light of listening, asking ourselves some questions. And so tonight – um, cue the uh, game show music, Mike. At this point, future Mike editing. Let's. Uh, I wanted to shoot out 21 questions uh, for the group to get to know each other better, and also just to have a little fun, little riffing, little jokes on tonight. So, um, guys, I don't know how you guys feel about it, um, but it's done, and we got our questions prepped. So let's uh, let's get into it. I guess I should ask the first one, right? <laughs> I know we, we need a good opener question. All right, it is baseball season. It is, it is that time of the year, and I have been in the full swing of Little League and T-ball. And one of the things that I love about baseball is when a player comes up to bat, their walk-up music. It says so much. It, it, it gives you that swagger. It lets you know what the player is all about. So the question I have for you guys, what would be your walk-up music for baseball? I think if I'm making my actual choice, it would probably be ACDC's Thunderstruck. I just, I can't envision a better walk-up song just, you know, to get me jacked up. Um, but there's a part of me that would just want to play the mind game of some like smooth jazz, Kenny G, <laughs> like just like the least expected thing possible that pops on and just have everybody like, wait, what, what, what's happening right now? So I'm kind of torn. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, the song, the one that I always think about, and obviously he, um, Daniel Murphy has a good reason to play this, but when he comes out to dropkick Murphy's, um, I just, uh, it, that one always gets me pumped up for him to see what's going to happen. Um, so, uh, giving him the dropkick Murphy's probably something along hard rock, ACDC, Metallica, something like that. But then I also really, over the last couple of years have noticed more guys, and maybe not their first inning song, but like third or fourth inning, they come out to a, a Christian worship song. Mm. Um, and that's, that's pretty legit. Uh, you know, when, when this guy is, is on that stage and he's coming out to a worship song, uh, to get ready to bat. I think that's pretty cool too. Yeah. That's a, those are, those are great. That's a great choice. I like that. I didn't, I, I like the switch up through the, uh, through the innings. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of went, I kind of like what John said, a little switch up, a little mental break. I thought, I could go one of two ways. One, maybe like very new school, very like current. I went with like the uh, Andy Minios uh, coming in hot. I thought that was a little bit of a trendy, little bit of a today type of music. 
Um, but if I wanted to play into the stereotype, I think it would be really funny if I came out to mariachi music. Something about like <laughs> something about that that the trumpet playing and the and the uh, the yell and the scream. I think would be uh, would would play very into the crowd. So I think that's that's where I would go with my uh, with my walk up music. Nice, I like, I like that. That's good. All right, I'll go. Strangest food you've ever eaten. And Mike's tamales don't count. <laughs> well, since you brought up brought up Mexican food, I'm gonna, I'm going to continue on with that. I'm going to name two things that both came from my grandfather's kitchen. First is tripe, but in the form of menudo. There is nothing that freaks me out more than something that looks like it came from the ocean but it did not, and it's <laughs> and it's it's like furry and smooth all at the same time. So yeah, that was that was one of the first ones that I would have to say really kind of it still makes me cringe now. Um, but I've also eaten, and I don't know how strange this is, but beef tongue in the form of a taco. So that was that was another one that. If I'm being honest, I was like, man, this is really good. And then I was like, yeah, what is this? And they're like, lengua. I was like, well, what is lengua? They're like, oh, it's tongue. I was like, oh, heck no, man. You did not just give me, <laughs> you did not just give me tongue. Um, and so that was the last time I had uh, a beef tongue. But yeah, tongue and tripe are, are the, I think, two lists that would, that would go up there for me. I actually don't think I have a good answer to this. Um, partially because I don't think there's ever been a food that I've turned down. But I also don't think that there's ever been anything that was so either awful or bizarre that I remember it. So even as I'm sitting here looking at this question and thinking about Mike being grateful that you went first to give me a little bit more lead time, I honestly can't come up with a single one. And with all the places that I've traveled and all the local stuff that I've been like, heck yeah, throw that down on the plate, nothing stands out. I'm kind of embarrassed. <laughs> and I, I felt... When I was thinking about this question, I felt like just throwing out some kind of ethnic food is is sort of a cop out answer too. Mm-hmm. Like it's weird because like I'm not used to it or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that yeah. but that's immediately where my where my head went. Um, I'm with you, Mike, on the on the tongue. Yeah, sounds so weird, but actually <laughs> makes a really good taco. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Um, and then the other one I had was uh, was escargot. They're just something about like having to use that little fork and like <laughs> scoop them out of the shell. Yeah. Um, again, yeah. delicious, but but definitely an interesting eating experience. You know, now that you mentioned the uh, the the French stuff, uh, going in Paris and everybody was talking about. I'm not. I'm gonna butcher this. What is it? Faux fo- gras. Mm-hmm. Um, foie gras. Foie gras. Yeah, yeah. I got like two bites into it. And I was like, nah, not for me. <laughs> not my not, not my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, my turn. Um, So because we're all of an age where this is still applicable, first album you ever bought, which was probably either a cassette or a CD, and so if this was like Columbia House or, you know, one of those mail-in things where you had to like pull off the stamps and, you know, stick them onto the return, like first, first album you ever bought, what was it? Man, I hit Columbia House and, and, uh, bmg so hard uh-huh <laughs> join up cancel join up cancel yep yeah <laughs> um but i i think this is probably it probably is a cassette that i then uh bought the album for once like you know or bought the cd for once i was no longer doing cassettes mm. um and i went through a hardcore aerosmith phase 
and I, so I think I think the first album that I actually purchased for myself was Get a Grip from Aerosmith. Um, and probably just because it had the nipples and the cow udder on the front of it. I don't know. <laughs> so, cover art tells the story. Oh yeah. Yep. See, I think being uh being the third child and having an older brother, older sister, I never really had to buy my own albums. I just used to mm. steal their CDs or their cassette tapes, and uh, and then you know feel the pain of it later on down the uh, down the down the timeline as my. Uh, anti-skip uh, CD player. Um, they would find the CD <laughs> down in there. But the first album I bought with my own money, and this is embarrassing, but it was... Actually, it's not that embarrassing. It's just different. Uh, it's a, It was a rap album. It was it was the Dog Pound's Dog Food. And the only reason I bought it was because <laughs> it was like it was like in the time frame of, of like cool music. It's a, It wasn't even that great of a CD, to be honest with you. I don't even think I can name one song from there. I just remember that was the first album I bought, and I thought I was the coolest kid on the block um, <laughs> until my sister made fun of me. But other than that, that was, that was, that was the first <laughs> album I ever bought. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, mine was uh, Bon Jovi's Crossroads. Ooh. So Living on a Prayer, Dead or Alive. Um, that one. thing got worn out. Yeah. But it also came along with the however many other Columbia House CDs that I bought at the time. So true. there there were some options, but that that's the one I remember. All right. Um, superpower you wish you could have. All right. So I don't know how much of a superpower this is or if it's just a really cool, um, I don't know, ability, I guess. But one of the things that I've always wished I was able to do is speak any language. Yes. Any language mm-hmm. that I could hear or just be a part of any conversation. Um, I just think that would be that would open up so much opportunities. And not yeah. only that, but what bad guy wants to attack somebody who speaks a lot of language, right? Like when you're Superman, <laughs> people are coming after you, right? Captain America, they're coming after you. Nobody's going to go after the guy just because he can speak, you know, a different variant of interpreter you know, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd be so helpful for those people who were yeah. lost and needed directions in a far off country. So um, I would, I would pick uh, speak any language. I think that's a, that's a unique ability that I would, I would love to have. I would keep my family that's, safe. I like that. That's good. That's good. You can get that little fish, um, the interpreter fish. Oh, from, they, um, I wonder. And, oh, and, and American heck? Sign Language would also be guide. hitchhikers. Yeah, American yeah. Sign Language would also be included in that, right? Because that Absolutely. is. Ooh, yeah. So yeah. I'd, I'd be all, all about it. That's that's good. International <laughs> Man of Mystery, right there. <laughs> I like it. So for me, I I go two ways on this. If it's what superhero could you be? I'm all about Wolverine. The whole package. Um, but it just like super power, I have always wanted to fly. Oh, always. Yeah. Um, if you can combine that with like the human torch and light myself on fire and <laughs> throw throw fireballs, that'd be sweet too. But flight for sure. Yeah, that's good. Give one. me flight any yeah. day. I'd be a little afraid of heights, but. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you get used to it if you could fly. Is there an altitude limit on that too? Are we getting into like? I mean, I'm not the I'm not the uh, the smart guy when it comes to the. You can uh, go full Captain Marvel, just uh, go anywhere. Yeah, (laughs) fly through space. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you guys took my two, so flight is first, and if I can't get that, then speak any language. Look at that! Look at that! Wow! Look at that! This is why this works. (laughs) That wasn't even on my radar as a superpower. (laughs) 
That's awesome. We'll go with an easier one. Favorite season and why? Baseball. Does that does that count as a season? Baseball. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, no, no. In all seriousness, um, I think I'm gonna go fall, and uh, and and I'll switch it up, um, just because I there's something about the end of the summer, and and maybe it's because I've hang around too many teachers, but the start of something new, it's like my new year. And so I always, I always think of, you know, the end of the summer, you know, schools just started off, especially being in Northern Virginia. Now we're getting, I get those beautiful leaves and the color changing and and it's, it's, you know, hoodie weather and it's not too cold for this Southern California kid, but we're still going to throw, you know, footballs around and, and, and also do fire pits. So I'm, I'm going to say fall. That's, that's my season after baseball season. That's good. That's good. Yeah, spring and fall are just about neck and neck for me, but I think spring edges it out only because I feel like new life, especially after yeah. the long wait through winter, yeah, it's good. beats out the imminent death of fall, which is maybe morbid. <laughs> I don't know, but if there's got to be a tiebreaker, I think that's what does it. But yeah, I think usually I love fall because I'm just so ready to be done with you know the dead of summer yeah. at that point. But there's something about coming out of winter, and especially now that we live out here in the country, and I get to experience spring in all of its glory, um, and and the stages of spring. And I feel like when I was teaching and when I was living in the suburbs, spring is just when it's not quite so cold. And because I don't have allergies, like I don't have that dread of all the pollen coming out. But now that I'm out here, it's you know the first this kind of flower pops and then this kind of flower pops and then these trees start to bud and then these trees start to bud and I'm so much more aware of what's happening and it's just it's like the fourth of July fireworks display where you know this one pops and it's like ooh, and then this one pops and it's like oh and then the finale just takes off and I don't know so yeah spring for the wind for me nice I am a I am a solid baseball season. Give me the boys of summer. There you go. Beach trips outside. I mean, it is definitely humid here, and so that that's a downside to to being outside in the summer. But yeah, I I could live outside in the summertime. I just love it, and also you know having off every summer since I was six probably helps <laughs> yep. with that. Yeah. What you got for us, Mike? All right. So without the orphan and living underneath the stairs, you are invited to attend Hogwarts. Which house are you hoping you get called into? So I forget how this actually happened in the book, right? But it was it was not necessarily your most obvious outward trait, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it was like where you had uh, potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm a, I'm a shoot for the stars and I'm gonna say Gryffindor. Mm. Um, and I think I was actually probably split between Gryffindor and Hufflepuff and who wants to be a Hufflepuff. <laughs> but, um, the, uh, the combination of, of the Gryffindor, uh, like serving aspect, the bravery obviously gets its, its limelight, but the serving, um, and the and the Hufflepuff loyalty, uh, I think, are, are big traits for me. So uh, those would be my first two. Mm, that's good. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't have much else to contribute. I mean, I blame I blame the movies and the books a little bit. And Brooke and I are huge Harry Potter fans, so I mean, we have overwatched and overread this uh, to an admittedly uh, psychotic extent. But yeah, I just nothing else quite fits. It feels like. So I, I'm gonna switch it up. I'm I'm going, and just because I feel like they don't get a lot of play, they're I think they're uh, a great house. But I'm I'm gonna go Ravenclaw. Um, something about nice. um, the whole wit, the whole learning, the whole um, just trying to outsmart somebody. I, I I don't know. I just like that that technique, right? It's not just about you know, um, if, if I use MMA, it's not about the ground and pound. It's the it's the outboxing the guy, right? And so like I mm. I just really think that they have a and and it's an eagle, right? That's what the, I mean. That's just that's just that's just cool, man. That's just that that's just really cool. So, um, yeah, Gryffindor is half an eagle, huh? Gryffindor is half an eagle. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I went Ravenclaw just to be different. Nice. It's a good pick. Not that you can pick your house. I know. Obviously, I know. Sorting I know. hat. Props to you. Yep. Hey, your choice matters. That's what <laughs> I learned. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Let's go a, a little deep, but not too deep. You're picking it yourself. What is your worst habit? Easy. Nail biting. <laughs> forever oh yeah yeah oh yeah that's a that's that's just a hard one that's that's yeah that's hard yep yep and and there have been times i've been better and times i've been worse but like especially growing up it was really bad i was a really bad nail biter oh, yeah. and my mom had that like nail polish stuff that you put on that makes your nails taste nasty so you don't want to bite them yeah <laughs> and I, I chewed right through that. <laughs> Dang. I don't know. I feel like it shifted over the years. I think at one point, one of my worst habits was sarcasm. Just like the biting, like you're, you're kind of an ass, you know, level sarcasm. Um, and that got better. And then I think it was procrastination for a while. Um, just the, you know, felt like, I'm not getting this done unless there's the pressure of the 11th hour. Um, and that's gotten a little better, thanks largely to my wife. That's a hard uh, one to break, though, because mm, you could always start tomorrow. You really could. You really could. <laughs> and it's it still definitely has its way more often than not. Um, there's something very comforting about that feeling of, nah, I got plenty of time. It's I don't need it till tomorrow. Um, but I think one of them is, is still... Um, you know, a lack of self-confidence in some areas, you know, coupled with a fear of failure. Uh, those two play nicely together in making my life not pleasant sometimes. So I don't know if that's necessarily a habit, but it's been habitual enough. It's been recurring enough that I think it warrants a place in the top three. So I'm also going to go with nail biting. And again, that's one of those ones where you don't realize you're a bad habit until you see it in your kids. And my oldest is, I mean, constantly buying his nails. I mean, I tried, I tried garlic nail polish and totally forgot he was Puerto Rican. <laughs> and he just went right through that, through that nail polish. Um, you know, 
Spanish people love garlic. I love garlic. He's not a vampire. And uh, and so one of the things that, that I read a long time ago and I got like – I was like, oh, yeah. It's, you know, I heard it was a sign of intelligence, like if you bite your nails. Um, but then immediately followed by like you you might also have some low self-esteem issues if you bite your nails. I'm like, oh, man, this is this is one of those ones where it's like, man, this is this might be telling me something about it, about, about me biting my nails. Um, but it is a hard habit to break. I mean there's been times where you know I've gone months without biting my nails and – I'll snag it on one one shirt or one edge of a door, and then they're all coming off just in that one fell swoop. Or one bad Marvel movie or something. <laughs> if I'm watching a movie, that's a bad one too for me. I don't know what it is. Um, I, maybe it's the nervous or not knowing what's coming next. But, uh, yeah, nail biting. That's, that's my bad habit. We're seven questions in, and the number of commonalities so far is I know, really I'm, entertaining. I'm, I'm, I'm what, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> All, all except for the uh, I was on my own on the uh, the dog pound CD, but I guess yeah. <laughs> Childhood fear, something you remember having that you know maybe uh, you grew out of or or whatever, but something that you remember as a kid just locked you up. Did you have to grow out of it? Because no. <laughs> I've told this story all the time. I don't know what it is, and it's it's. I'll just put it in its simplest form: the dark. And for me, it was mostly going outside to take out the trash. And I would, I would like, for some reason, it was always like right before I had to go to bed, they're like, hey, the trash has to go out. And I would, I mean, I could probably run like a 4140 to the trash can, <laughs> throw the top open, flip the bag in there, and back, beat, beat back to the house. Um, mm-hmm. There was something about being outside in the dark alone that was just not cool. Um, every once in a while I'll, I'll, you know, I'll have to take the trash out at night and I, I laughed myself now, but, um, in the back of my mind, I'm like, Hey, keep, keep your head on a swivel though. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the commonality street continues, Mike, I'm with you on that one. Um, and it wasn't just the dark outside. It was the dark inside. We had a couple of creepy basements in some of the houses that I lived in growing up and, yeah, just as quick up and down the steps and around corners as outside. And honestly, that one stuck with me. Interestingly enough, all the way up until I moved out here into the country where there's no one to hear you. And I don't understand how it happened, but the fear of the dark left when we moved out here oh, wow. where it's the darkest. Yeah, and it's I, pretty dark. I don't get it. Yeah. But... I walk around our five acres in the dark all the time. I don't even bother with a flashlight, and I love it. Yeah. You're like Batman now. The dark is your domain. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I don't know what happened. Yeah, for me, so this is definitely a a grew out of it. Um, And I I don't know how this happened, aside from somebody really dropped the ball on this. Um, I I was way too young to see this movie. And uh, and caught most of Gremlins, and I was convinced the Gremlins lived <laughs> under my bed <laughs> for years, for years. And like, I didn't have my own room. Me and my brother we roomed together, and so I wasn't like alone at night or anything like that. But it was, you know, the flip the switch and see if I can jump into bed without touching the floor before the light is actually totally gone <laughs> from the room. Um, you know, like just envision them reaching out from under the, under the bed. Yeah, man. The gremlins Mm. totally grown out of that, thankfully, (laughs) but (laughs) all right, my turn. Worst injury. All right. I'll take this one. 
this one, this one's a recent one. And I think this is one that, um, you know, I, I don't know if I, I think I've talked about it on the show or maybe, maybe it's just been in our conversations, but the worst injury that I've had is I think maybe two years removed now. Yeah. But flag football, playing with the boys, like all my guys for a turkey bowl flag football game. And I pulled my calf and it was the second time I'd pulled my calf, different calf, but this one hit me hard. There is nothing that says you're old and fat and out of shape like pulling a calf <laughs> playing flag football with a bunch of your buddies. Uh, and it was just one of those ones where I came home and, and I, 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 I cried. I cried on the field. I cried when I got home. I was just mad at myself um, for allowing myself to get that out of shape that I couldn't do a couple wind sprints up the field um, playing football with my buddies. And so um, that's... I th- I think the baseline and what led me to want to start doing this crazy ultra running thing with Zach. So I uh, will say my worst injury, pull my calf, play football. Uh, I mean, I've had stitches a couple of times, mostly on my head. So that probably explains a lot, the, the number <laughs> of head injuries that I've sustained. Um, but I think the worst injury that I got was uh, I broke my wrist um, playing one season of uh, of baseball in college and uh of course it it was my writing wrist and so not only was i out the rest of the season but i also like couldn't take notes anymore in in college um so uh yeah i, I would say breaking the wrist is, is probably the worst injury that i had it's the only thing i've ever broken that i know of uh to date so i just kept having the same injuries which was weird <laughs> So I broke my collarbone twice when I was six at Christmas and when I was 12 at Easter. And I kid you not, I was worried my whole 18th year of major holidays. (laughs) (laughs) But the same thing happened. Like my little brother broke my nose when he was five with a, you know, oversized plastic golf club and he didn't mean to. And then he broke it again when he was what was he like 11 with an actual fist to the face. And so there again, there just seemed to be something about six year intervals for things. <laughs> it, yeah. I don't know. But the collarbone was awful. Yeah. I mean, there was just so much discomfort with that and it yeah. takes so long to heal. Yeah. And you can't do anything. No. Because they don't even cast that, right? You just no. You just have a sling forever. Just in a sling, and especially at six. I, I mean, know. it's say, just yeah. yeah. That's bad. <laughs> Speaking of childhood kinds of things, dream jobs that you fantasized about as you were growing up. I'm sure I probably went through like the uh, the astronaut fireman phase, but uh, I. Like, this is going to sound really sad and sappy, but uh, I like I really remember probably third or fourth grade wanting to be a teacher and wanting to be a writer. Uh, you know, and, and lots of other things happened in between there. But but if I look back at at growing up and jobs that I remember actually really kind of thinking through wanting to have, those are the two that I can I can put a finger on. Those are good. 
and what an early age to get you know those dreams that and work towards right i think the the two dream or the two jobs that i remember the most wanting to have when i was younger one was like sports therapy kind of like something to do with like a sports doctor because i i always loved sports right i was always in them and i knew back then that i wasn't going to be the athlete i wasn't going to like go anywhere with that but i thought wow it'd be really cool to be around athletes to train and and just do that kind of stuff yeah um and i remember saying that one time not knowing that my um buddy's uh dad was a doctor and uh he was like oh wow that's really cool but you should you should think more about what you want to do if you're going to go, you know, through school and all that stuff. And maybe you should do more like what I do. And I was like, Oh, well, you know, what are you doing? He's like, Oh, I'm, I'm an anesthesiologist. So I get paid to put people to sleep. And I'm like, that <laughs> sounds really cool. That's what I want to be. I want to be an anesthesiologist. So that's, those are the two jobs. And it's funny how they're both like related to the medical field. Um, yeah, yeah but those were, those are the two jobs I wanted to growing up. Um, one, because it, it just sounded really cool to put people to sleep and get paid money for it. As long as they wake back up. As long as they wake back up. What was was young John dreaming about? So my dad took me to SeaWorld when I was in middle school. And the SeaWorld that makes no sense to have in Cleveland, Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) That notwithstanding. um, Man, and we went a couple of times over my middle school and high school years um, because my dad was living in Ohio. And so that was one of the easier trips to make. Man, I wanted to be a dolphin trainer, you know, orca trainer. Man, that just looked like so much fun. Like getting up to go to work seemed like that would never be difficult. Full wetsuit all the time and and. And you could have your hair long, like Keanu Reeves. And just... <laughs> I was just thinking about the long hair. <laughs> just point break it up, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be real good. My sister went through a phase where that's what she was set on being, you know, the same thing, like a dolphin trainer or something like that. Um, to the point where she was old enough and serious enough that, you know, my, my parents started looking into it. It's a lot of school. Wow. It is. Like it's basically you become a full veterinarian and then just decide that that you're going to train instead of you know do the the medical part. Yeah, yeah, it, it's crazy. That's a whole lot of schooling. Yeah. <laughs> All right, John, I'm gonna let you geek out on this one. What time period in history would you want to live in, and why? Mm. That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> That is difficult. Well, you have all of the objective evidence to make a better decision. <sighs> yeah, that's what makes it so difficult is there's <laughs> so many good choices. Because, um, I mean, if I want to go super geeky, then the correct answer has to be anytime where you're a hunter-gatherer because they are definitively the healthier and happier existence compared to anything civilized. Um, aside from that just from favorite time periods in history. I mean, you can't help but love the Mongols once you start to study them. But then there's also the whole, like, you know, destruction of half the known world at the time. So I don't know if I want that on my conscience. But honestly, I think I could go with Elizabethan privateer. Ooh, nice. So not only time period, but if I can just pick my person, I want to be Sir Francis Drake. That's a good one. I had not considered privateering. Solid pick. 
Thank you. That is good. That is way better than what I would have picked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know. I'm a little bit closer to home. Um, I guess the, the, the two that I kind of wrestled with, one is probably doesn't make any sense, but maybe 10 years earlier than I was actually born. So like 70s, mm. um, only because... It just seems so much simpler, right? Like now we got like the cell phones and I was at that age where cell phones were, were coming out. Internet was all that. And if it was, I feel like 10 years before that, I would have been past my childhood and it would have been, you know, all that stuff would have, wouldn't have been there. Um, but I feel like um, the big time Captain America fan in me has to go with the greatest generation. Has to go sure. with you know, uh, you know the uh, the World War Two time frame. You know that whole the whole demographic that just kind of that I don't want to say define America for me, but that's that's just to me just seems like such a a hard time first, but just so much so much pride and just so much like just that hardworking um, attitude that I just think um, comes with that. I mean. Whenever I see military pictures or or old time, I, I think that what is it the the Navy guy kissing the uh, kissing the girl, mm-hmm. you know? In the, yeah. it, I mean that just to me excites me. I, I think that's just such a you know uh, um, Brooklyn Dodgers kind of stuff, you know that kind of thing. So I, I enjoy that time frame. That's a good pick too, and that I, so I actually kind of I can go two ways, but one is to sort of split the difference between yours, Mike, and this is maybe more situational, but. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was teaching, I would always show Apollo 13, um, which the kids thought was crazy. Cause they're like, we're watching this old movie. <laughs> um, but one of my favorite scenes, and this is where, you know, that time period gets maybe a little situational. So I'd have to position myself in the right spot. But one of my favorite scenes is where they walk in and they're, um, the, the carbon monoxide filters aren't working and they take just the box of stuff that they know the guys have on the spacecraft and they dump it out on the table and they're like, figure it out. Just, just the idea. And and it kind of goes back to something you said about the, the greatest generation, right. Of like, we took all of the, the brightest minds that we had to offer and we directed them at a single target to do things that like hadn't even been thought of before. Um, and so science, science, engineering nerding out that I would go for that Apollo era NASA. Um, my other one, and I, I think this would be cool, but also the destruction of half the known world kind of, you know, dampens it a little bit, but, um, how oh, something about the Roman empire. Um, it just has always really interested me. Uh, obviously there's a, a whole lot of, uh, you know, military suppression that they used, but, but also just a lot of the, the ways that, um, you know, that they organized life and, and that sort of stuff. Um, just always seemed like a, an interesting period to maybe go visit, not stay, yeah, yeah. but, but go visit. Yeah. I definitely think we need to have a uh, Sherman and Peabody in the way back machine. Cause this is, <laughs> this would be fun times to go back to. I, I do love your, your first answer. I don't know the, the right stuff and seeing all the stuff that goes on during that, during that time period as they were building the NASA program. And that was, that was really cool stuff to see too. And, and, uh, and get a view of, of that. I don't know if you guys, I mean, I know they had the movie out, but I know Disney just did a TV show that's, that's pretty slick on it too. So, yeah. I'm going to go again with uh, a little bit lighter. Who would play you if they were to make your biography into a movie? Who, who would you want to play you? Oh, that's hard. 
That is hard. Are we going for accuracy or upside? <laughs> you can have two. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like John Cusack would do me justice uh, as ooh, as an accurate nice. portrayal. Um, you know, he can deadpan it up with the best of them, but there's enough goofy that's underneath the surface that comes out periodically. Um, I think he can do that all right. Um, if we're going for sheer upside that has very little, you know, direct correlation to real life, I mean, I don't know how you go wrong with Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Hey, he could he could pull it off. Yeah. Know. That's good. He's versatile enough. He could play me. No problem. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Um, this is hard because I, I think the, the one that I, 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 I kind of wrestled with two. One, I don't think he acts anymore, but I, I would, I would think it'd be cool to have him play me. What is uh, the kid from the Sandlot, Benny the Jet Rodriguez? I think that'd be, I'd be oh, cool to go. bring him out. Yeah, nice. But if I'm being more serious, I'd, I'd almost want to, or not want, but probably the person who would end up getting it is uh, Michael Pena. And what I mean by that, the guy, like more like Ant Man, Michael Pena. You know, I got a cousin who, you know, that that guy. So that's where, that's where I see. That's that's who I see stepping in the role from, from Mike Lara is. Uh, is Michael Pena as his Ant Man character? Yeah, I, not because you're both Hispanic, but I, I, that would be my pick for you too. Yeah, that just <laughs> he kind of falls into place, right? He's just because he's so funny. Yeah, and he's, he's good. Uh, he's he's awesome. Have you have really have you good. seen End of Watch? By the way, yes, he's in that movie. That is, if you get a chance, John, you need to watch that movie. And, that's that's tears. That's that's a good movie too. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and to watch is is really good, is really good, uh, and that's he's versatile, right? He could oh, he yeah. could play you while you're you know crying with the the torn calf. Yep, and yeah. uh, exactly. and he could play you funny too. I like it. <laughs> yeah, he's been in a he's been in a ton of stuff. That, oh yeah, like I don't know. I always think of him as funny, but he's he's been in a ton of stuff. That's, yeah, he's good. He's he's, good. he's playing it straight. Yeah. So, and I love those stories in Ant Man. I don't know why those always make me crack up. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> I got his cousin. Those are good. So I, I don't I don't necessarily see this. And uh he hasn't done much recently either, but um people always said Jim Carrey. Hmm. For me. I, I like and random people. Just like <laughs> just out of nowhere. Um so I, I could go with him or, you know, really uh knock it out of the park with like a Hugh Jackman probably Sure. You know, in, in order to really encompass all of my facets, you know, if, if you're going to get played by a black guy, John, I think <laughs> I can at least go for an Aussie. Totally fair. All right. I think I'm up. Um, we'll go. Since we're talking about, we've gotten a little bit into childhood. Um, I think the way I had this question written out is what was your favorite toy as a, as a child or as a kid? And um and I I don't want to just limit it to like I, like Toy Story kind of stuff, right? Like it doesn't have to be like an action figure. It doesn't have to be. It could be, you know, anywhere in your childhood that you had something that was just like your ultimate go to. Remind you of your of, of you growing up. Lego, hands down. Yeah. Lego. I would I could spend hours doing Lego. No, that's good. And and I had a bunch of like other you know build it kit type things, but Lego was always the go to. That's fun. I like that. The one that jumps out for me, 
because I really liked all the building things too. You know, whether it was just basic blocks or Lincoln logs or connects or whatever. But the one that, you know, just seems to hit the nostalgia button was my Thundercats action heroes. Oh, yes. And in particular, I had the Thundercat layer as well. And I, like the, you know, the top of the layer was like the, you know, the cat head with like laser eyes and. You know, my lion had, you know, the action punch and, oh, I mean, those were, I wish I knew where they were, not because I would particularly do anything with them, but I think that would just be fun to look, look at every once and be like, you know, those, those were good times. Yeah. That's a good pick. That's a real solid pick. And yeah, those, that's those good. action figures were classic. Yeah. Well, it's funny cause you picked, so you went. Very similar, but I went He-Man. I went He-Man. I remember um, my uncle actually bought me my first set of He-Man toys. Um, and of course, you know, I had like uh, Skeletor and He-Man and Battle Cat. And it was just like, I played with those things nonstop. Those things were were just the, those things were awesome. I loved them. But the second thing that I think that really kind of maybe transitioned my life from from, I guess, like what I consider like my early childhood to like almost like that teenage years was the first time my grandmother bought me a PlayStation. And I, I that PlayStation was, I mean, I spent, I don't know how many hours I spent playing, you know, like metal gear solid and, and, and game day. And, uh, just, I mean, hours and hours and hours on that PlayStation. Um, that was my go-to my PlayStation. Yeah. I, I, having just said that, I think I would have to amend my answer to my first original <laughs> Nintendo. Oh, yeah, that's good. Because um, yeah. I bought that myself. Oh, yeah, that's good. And so just the level of pride that came from as a small child, you know, finding a way to scrape together, whatever it was, like 80 bucks or uh, yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some original Mario and Duck Hunt. And I mean, that yes. was the beginning of a, a long addiction for me. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I was able to, you know, inflict that on myself was a point of pride for, for many a year. <laughs> yeah, we definitely were firmly in the video game Absolutely. generation. You know, what's funny is like, it, it, I don't know how many different video game consoles. I mean, I know, yeah, main consoles, PlayStations, the, you know, the Nintendos, the Ataris, the, uh, the, the Xboxes. But there's something for me, and I saw them at Target the other day that I wanted to scoop them all up. But those handheld tiger games, those yeah. things are so cool. I used to play those all the time. Yep. Like, like they had like home run baseball and yep. like double dragon. Yep. Like, uh, and it was the worst graphics ever. But I, oh I, yeah, I love that thing. But that you thing know what? So cool. Like, think about what it took for them to figure out how to make all of those because they were like just pixels that yeah. are lighting up on the screen, right? And like yeah. to make all the different characters, all the different moves. Yeah, yeah, was a good the tiger handhelds. Those are good. That's a good one. That's a good callback. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to have to hit pause on this episode and bring it back next week as we continue our 21 questions. Before you go, we just wanted to take a quick minute to thank you for being a part of the conversation and taking on this journey with us. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app and throw us a like or write a review. All of that helps other people find our show. 
If you're looking for more, head over to our website, strong-towers.com, and sign up to receive notifications whenever we release new content. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at strong underscore towers. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, We Are Strong Towers, to keep the conversation going throughout the week. If you want to support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash strong towers for your chance to score some strong tower swag and get access to exclusive content. We appreciate y'all, and we'll see you back here real soon.